Have you ever met someone that just radiates light wherever they go? Well, you're in for a treat today because I have one of those people to share with you. After battling eating disorders and self-harming behavior for 13 years, Ali Jothi discovered yoga in 2005 and says it saved her life. She is also a mom of two young children, and today she's going to talk about how her struggles have shaped her as a mother and how she uses all of the mind work that she has learned from yoga and her practice to help maintain her sanity. And that's how she's choosing herself through her yoga and mind work. I think you're going to learn so much from Allie today, and I cannot wait to dive into this interview. Hi, and welcome to the Choose Mom podcast. I'm Trish, a military spouse, mom to three girls, and nutritional therapy practitioner. As moms, we make a million choices each day, but how many of those choices actually put us at the top of the list? If you're anything like me, that answer is very few, but that's about to change. So join me on my journey to choose myself again and to hear the stories of other mamas who are doing the same. Allie, thank you so much for being here today. I truly appreciate your time. When I started this podcast, I will be honest, you were the first person I had in mind to interview. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. And the reason for that is I just feel that you radiate this joy and light wherever you go. And I think a lot of us can use that right now. So if you don't mind, before we get started, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? It's like where to start. Cause it's, it's always this question of like, how do you define yourself? Like, what do you want to lead with when people ask you like, who are you? What do you do? Um, so I, I think I'm probably a mom first and foremost. Um, I have two littles. I have a seven-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. Um, and I am a spouse of over a decade to an amazing man named Bo, who serves in the Navy. We've been together for 16 years now. So um, yeah, he's, I adore him. He's like my favorite person in the universe. Um, and then I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, which um, as someone, another part of my life is um, I'm an active and living recovery from eating disorders and self-harm. Um, I just celebrated my 10-year recovery anniversary, is kind of what we call it. So that's a really part of my daily lived experience. And every day when I'm teaching yoga or leading meditation, I'm always operating from that place of like living recovery. So those are kind of the three big circles in my world, motherhood, being a spouse, and then being a teacher. And yeah. That's incredible. And congrats on 10 years. That's, that's really amazing. So, so diving into that. So I feel like as you, you know, you've recovered and you've been going on that recovery journey for 10 years, how has that affected your journey as a mom has, or has it affected your journey as a mom? Oh, for sure. So I think initially it's important to go back when I was still pretty sick. There was always this idea that somewhere out in the distant future, I wanted to be a mom. And yet that felt like a really unsafe choice because Um, There were many years of my life where my body didn't feel like a safe place to be in. So the idea of creating life, giving birth, nurturing a life, being a foundation for other little humans just felt like this really far off distant place that I wasn't ever sure I was going to get to a stable enough place where that felt like a safe choice to make. And then the irony, of course, was that when I got to a place And we chose to start um, a family. 
becoming a mom actually was a catalyst to me elevating my recovery to a level I never even thought I could achieve before. When um, I got pregnant, there was so much fear um, coming from a place of eating disorders and not trusting my body of like, what is my body going to do? You know, am I going to like gain a thousand pounds as, you know, like, because I had been in this place before where my body didn't feel like a trustworthy place to be in. I also live with uh, a couple of different autoimmune conditions that affect my body in ways that I'm not always in control of. And so pregnancy was this big question mark of like, how is my body going to respond to this? And it ended up being such an affirmation of like, my body is trustworthy because my body ended up, I felt so strong and capable. And it was this reminder that like my body has this inner wisdom and like intuition, like it knows what to do if I really listen to what it's telling me. Um, And so it ended up catapulting me to this place of internal trust that I had really resisted for a long time. And then actually giving birth itself was sort of another level of that with my first child Um, My husband was actually deployed when I had my first child. And so um, I ended up having an emergency C-section and it was slightly, um, not to the degree that some mothers have, but was slightly traumatic. And then when my second child, my daughter was coming along, um, I was really committed to having a more healing experience. I did hypnobirthing classes and I just mentally like visualized this really positive outcome. And it was truly one of the most empowering and phenomenal experiences of my life. I had an all natural VBAC, like having her, I felt like this like lioness that was just like made to do this thing. Um, And so having her really brought me full circle to this place of like healing and empowerment within my body um, and just all that I'm capable of as like a woman and a mom. Um, So it was amazing how the story of my two children kind of brought me through this whole cycle that ultimately ended up propelling me to this place of just feeling really safe and secure in my body. And they really gave me that gift because had I not had children, I'm not, maybe I would have gotten here one day, but they certainly catapulted me here. Sure. So, so it's so easy, you know, to like tell the story and you know, you make it sound so easy. Like I had my kids and everything was fine. But I know that there was definitely a lot of work that went into getting that positive mindset. I know a lot of women, you know, me included, like it's really hard to trust our bodies and trust our minds sometimes, especially, you know, with the stress of motherhood and there's so much going on. So would you just touch on, you know, how did you go from this place of feeling scared and untrustworthy in yourself to like, what steps did you do to get there that you were able to trust yourself along with, you know, the birth and the pregnancy? Like what mind work were you able to do? Because I'm sure it took a lot of work to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that, um, you have like a hope, like you can visualize where you want to get, but sometimes that in and of itself can be really overwhelming and feel unachievable. Um, and so it often, I have a, a very good friend who says that like, there are some days where the totality of my practice is just taking one breath and then another breath. But like my practice happens one breath at a time because that's all I can manage. 
And that's really relatable because I think sometimes when you're in a place that doesn't feel healthy or safe or secure, it's hard to imagine what healthiness looks like. It's hard to even give yourself permission to have the hope of a better life. And so sometimes it starts by just that I'm going to, my next breath is going to be a full breath or really bite-sized manageable choices. And so for me, moving into actual movement practice is where it really began because, and which for me usually looks like yoga, but it can also be taking a walk out in nature. But when I started moving in my yoga practice and I started really recognizing like, huh, like my body has a perspective and I just haven't been listening all along. Like my body is actually really clear about its boundaries. Like, oh, hey, like you're stretching too far. Your body's telling you that that boundary is there in your body and you're not listening to it because you've decided that you need to get to this place and push yourself. And so when I got to a place where I gave myself permission to actually listen to the body's perspective and I started actually listening to what it was saying, then I began to develop like a healthier relationship with my body, like moment by moment. I love that you're able to really identify in your body when you're stretching yourself too far. How can that translate also into your mind work? I also live with anxiety, um, which I was in recovery for my eating disorders and self-harm for about seven or eight years before we even really identified that anxiety was kind of at the root of all of it, Um, which just goes to say that recovery is really an ongoing process. And I happen to believe that all of us are probably in recovery from something. So whether if it's not eating disorders for you, I think a lot of these things are pretty universal. But when we found out and we really were like, oh my goodness, it's anxiety that's like at the foundations of all of this, this need to control this constant worry, anxiety about everything, then that opened up this whole new doorway of possibility. So it's funny, you know, I can really relate to what you were saying about how you didn't, sometimes you don't even realize you're walking around with all this anxiety. I had an experience, I'm a big proponent of therapy, um, And during my therapy session this week, you know, afterwards I felt calm. And I literally said to my therapist, I was like, this is how people can feel because my body was just so calm. And I'm like, I just wasn't used to this feeling because I think, you know, along with just everything in the state of the world right now is, it's really heavy, but motherhood in itself, even in the best of circumstances is, is really tough. It's, it's mentally taxing. It's physically taxing, especially when you have young children like we do. I really love when you were talking about setting boundaries and this one breath at a time. So I would love to know, how do you use those things like during motherhood, you know, when things get tough and somebody's on the floor screaming or somebody's doing this or whatever fire is happening that day? How do you use that mindset that you use on your mat and apply that Mm -hmm. to motherhood? So I think the, probably the main way that I do it is, um, In mindfulness practice, we call it naming. Um, It's like a naming practice, but it's where you very objectively, there's no judgment attached. There's no value statement attached. You name what's showing up in the moment. 
Sometimes it's me naming something for myself. I'll give examples of this in a moment. Sometimes it's me using my observational skills to name something for my children when I know that they're not in a place to notice things themselves. So for instance, like, you know, with my four-year-old, which I am fully convinced there has to be some major mind leap happening at four because my precious, like, fierce little girl is often a monster these days. Like she's really untenable at times and I adore her, but she just moves to this place where like her prefrontal cortex is offline. Like the cord has been plugged. She is not accessible. And I will often tell her like, your body is telling me that you're really overwhelmed right now. Like you, you know, your voice is telling me that you've, you're working through some frustration and sometimes it's me giving language to her about naming the experience that she's having. Again, not with any judgmental language, not attaching any good or bad. This is just what is right now. This is what is here. But sometimes, especially with my older one, it looks like me naming what's happening for myself. And I think sometimes as mothers, we forget to tell our children that we are also humans that are like imperfect and going through our own stuff. And so I often will like tell my seven-year-old, like mommy's really feeling overwhelmed right now. Like I'm going to take a deep breath because this situation is making like my heart feel like it's beating really fast. So naming what's happening in my body and language that he can really understand and also telling him what I'm going to do to try and manage it. And almost like modeling that it's okay to take a break when you're not in a space to healthily engage with something. And, and also that little bit of space, often when I come back, he's kind of cooled down enough to engage in a healthier way. I love how you talk about modeling for your kids. I think that's so important. And there's so many different things that we can model. I think that's a great way for our kids to learn. How do you fit your yoga and meditation into your day? There's this idea, whether whatever your, I call it protected time a lot of time, whatever your protected time practices, for me, it's stretching, meditating, whatever your protected time is, it is a myth out there that a mother's protected time can exist in this utopia of quiet and in this bubble where nobody's going to interrupt her or get in the way. It doesn't exist. It's not real. But a lot of mothers, we think that that's the only time that we get to have time for ourselves is if we can get to this little utopian space to do our thing. The reality is you have to enforce your protected time in the middle of the chaos of your life. <laughs> so for me, that means that I throw my yoga mat down in the middle of Friday night movie night. And yeah, maybe Scooby-Doo's on in the background, but like I'm going to flow and move. And sometimes my four-year-old comes and she's crawling on my back. Sometimes she comes and sit in my lap. Sometimes my seven-year-old wants a snack in the middle of it. And that's okay. Like that's my life, but I'm not going to give up doing my protected time activity just because I can't curate this perfect environment for it to happen in. I love that. I actually, I feel like you posted a video of you doing yoga like in the middle of chaos yeah. the other day. And I was like, that is so amazing. And I love what you're talking about with this utopia because I am fully guilty. Like I 
in my head, and I've never thought about this before until you said it, like, I always feel like I have to be by myself away from everybody to be able to decompress and do my thing, whichever, whatever thing it is of the moment. So I love that. And I think it's also great that you are showing your children that you are prioritizing yourself and you can do it with them around. I don't know why this is such a simple thing, but like you're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> like, why don't I just do it with them there? And the more they see it, the more conditioned they will be to allow that protected space. Absolutely. And I think too, that there's this idea that, again, it's this false narrative that's out there that like the peace and the calm and the relaxation that we're seeking is like outside of us. It's not, it's inside of us which means that the external conditions don't have to be perfect for us to connect with that like inner sense of ease that you were sort of describing after your therapy session. Like that that's in here. It's like this little inner sanctuary that you could visit at any point. You might have to practice it and, and develop. It's like any sort of neuro pathway. Like you get better by visiting it more and more often Um, So like right now, maybe that neuro pathway is filled with some shrubbery and you got to keep cleaning it out. So like it's more of like a beeline to get to that inner sanctuary for you. But I think that there's this false narrative that like we have to have this perfectly calm and peaceful external environment in order to feel that peace and calm that we're actually looking for that's on the inside. So that's why it works for me to do a yoga practice in the middle of movie night, because I'm not interested in external quiet. I'm interested in internal quiet. And that's something I'm always fully in control of, regardless of what my external circumstances are. So do you have, because I can tell you right now that internal quiet is not my strength. And I think a lot of us that have not had the experience and the mind work and um, the practice that you've had, that, that can be really hard. Do you have any actionable steps that any mom can try to do on the regular to help get that internal peace? Yeah. The breath is probably the first thing that I would say. So um, one of the things, just scientifically speaking, deep breathing is physiologically incompatible with stress. So if you are feeling triggered or stressful and you take a deep breath, it is actually scientifically impossible for you to be in the middle of a heightened stress response while you are taking that deep breath. It's this quiet little internal practice. So something to notice is um, for those of us that, and I think mothers do it a lot because we're under chronic stress, especially in the last 18 months or so with kids constantly at home, getting no break. We are all totally burned out and exhausted, you know, just especially if you work in addition to trying to be a mom and a spouse. I mean, there's no break ever. Um, We are so exhausted. There's almost not a word for the level of exhaustion that many of us are experiencing right now. One of the things that happens when you're chronically stressed is you tend to breathe mostly up in your chest and your belly's never moving. And the reason why that matters is because that affects things like digestion, reproduction. So one of the simplest things you can do is you have to exhale first. So the first thing you have to do is just exhale. And then when you're at the bottom of the exhale, see if you can soften and exhale a little bit more. When you do that little bit more, what you'll notice is the belly draws in and you just naturally compress the belly. It pushes out a little bit more breath. And then the natural physiological response to that is your next inhale is about twice as deep as the one that was happened before it. 
and then do that three times, just three times. It's not complicated. Just exhale completely. And then the inhale, you don't even have to think about. Your body's going to do it all on its own. And then after three times, give yourself five seconds to just notice how you feel. By the end of those three deep breaths, where you've really accessed your belly and your diaphragm, you fully exhaled three times, you will feel a sense of, it's almost like you soften into the shell of your body a little bit. And the last thing I'll say is like, use this with your kids when you can, when they're, cause you, you know, when your kids are in that space that they're like not reachable, nothing you say is getting through, but you also notice that moment where like something shifts and now they're actually, they can receive something that you're saying. And if you can get your child to access an exhale, you can transition them out of a tantrum a lot faster than just telling them to take a deep breath and like trying to get them to inhale, which can often re-trigger the stress cycle. I will definitely have plenty of opportunities to try that with my kids. (laughs) (laughs) So I will. What advice would you give to your pre-mom self or yourself when you were really struggling? That both success and failure are temporary. And I think that there was this feeling when I was younger and I was in a really unhealthy place this feeling that the failure was forever, that I was never going to be able to get out of it, that it was like a life sentence. And I just, it was really hard for me to see myself out of that darkness. And what I've learned through living recovery, through practicing mindfulness and yoga and meditation, and really just I think it's something else that comes with age and observation. When we're successful, we can make like take incredible joy and celebration in those moments of success, relish them, and yet not hold on to them too tightly because we know they're not going to last forever. And when we fail, we can take comfort in knowing that like the failure is not going to last forever either. And I, I just, you're just so inspiring because I know you've been in, really low, really dark places. Oh, thanks. I think, um, I think it was Oprah who said like the wound becomes the work kind of a thing. Like, you know, whatever the wound is that you have in life, whatever thing, you know, created a scar for you that ultimately becomes like your work in the world. It's what you have to offer. True. That's kind of why I'm trying to start the podcast (laughs) because there's so many moms, myself included, that just, you know, need a little pick-me-up. And if we can learn from other moms and be inspired, then that's, I mean, that's what the village is for. Whether you know the village or not, the village is there. And My last question is, I'm a big reader and I feel like the best place to hear about great books is from friends. So is there a book that has changed your life or just a super fun read that you would want to share? I have been, like many of us, very overwhelmed um, the past year and a half. And I've had a really hard time actually concentrating on novels and books. It feels like such an investment of my mental energy when I'm already exhausted. So I've turned to poetry because somehow like poetry has felt really digestible and bite-sized. And yet there's always like this kernel of truth that's like distilled into like a poem. So I um, have been reading a lot of Mary Oliver poetry um, and then a lot of Louise Gluck Um, She won the Pulitzer Prize last year. Their collections of poetry are amazing and have been a source of solace for me in a time where I've had, haven't been able to access concentration. 
You offer some really valuable resources that I think a lot of moms would be able to tap into. Where can we find you um, on the internet? What services do you offer? Just so people can tap in. So primarily I'm on Instagram. Anything that you see on Facebook is just because I hit the share button on Instagram. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at yoga with Jothi, um, which is um, my professional teaching name. I teach by my middle name, Jothi. So yoga with Jothi on Instagram. And I'm always sharing short practices. I'm linking. Um, I teach on a global platform called Studio B. And I, I teach live once a week. And then I also have a library of over 150 different on-demand practices that range from like super duper beginner um, all the way to more advanced movement practices, whatever you're looking for. And I'll also link them in the show notes so that they're easily accessible from this. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to listen myself and to continue to follow, follow you along on this journey. This will be awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited to see where it goes. And thank you so much again for today. I will talk to you soon.